right, we are here. Episode one, issue one of a new format we're working on. Minefields Dark. So we're going to take a look at some of the uh, darker versions of comic books. Some personal favorites to be sure. Go back into the history books a little bit. Uh, this one comes to us from 2020. Uh, we've got oh, written gonna, by you're gonna Jeff straight, Lemire. You're going to go straight into it? Sure, why not? No, I'm just saying, man. Like, uh, let you take. You want something different? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Take man, I know we got uh, Yep. Like I said, we got issue one of Minefields Dark. Myself, Tony Morales. The the Robin to my Batman, if you will, Joshua Michael. I don't I don't mind. Like, listen, I don't, <laughs> I'm not gonna be the Robin, but I'm definitely the Nightwing, dear ass. <laughs> like, like, I, 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 say, I just think it's funny. I, I was I just thought it was fun. <laughs> I I ain't no Tim Drake. I ain't no uh, I ain't farting on no snare drum. Uh, I'm at least your fucking Nightwing. <laughs> Farting on a snare drum? Oh, you've never seen Airheads? <laughs> no, oh, no, not in, not in like 20 years. <laughs> Jesus. No, it's just a but yeah. Like, we, we, <laughs> we, minefielders, uh, we wouldn't have Alita friendly. Yeah. Try something different now. We, we've gone Abelita friendly. Abelita's gone to bed. Yes, she has, and she, and she did not know that the uh, cable TV package has uh, the the uh, Spice Channel, and uh, now the uh, nephews are uh, are ready to watch some good stuff, and we're ready to talk. Some, like this is a uh, this is up all night. This is uh, Joe Bob Briggs. This is this is this is our version of that, and we're gonna talk about the darker bits of comics that like like before we like. I'm sorry, I to, like totally take point when I'm taking over. Um, there are a lot of comic books that we talk about that simply do not fit the format of Minefields. This is true. Um, where it's it's not that we are involving ourselves in comic books that aren't good enough to be on Minefields, but when we're talking about... Like, last issue was pretty much 100% focused on the, like, the best pal Flash... Nightwing and then Flash graduating Kid Flash. I mean, but but then how terrible would it have been if we had all of a sudden interrupted him like, oh, here's Ice Cream Man. Here's a, you know, like it, like it just doesn't flow. And the, but that doesn't mean that those books aren't good enough to be a minefield. It just it just means that they we have to find a specific format. And here we are. This is up all night. Yeah. This is. We, yeah, we've definitely we've definitely gone through a couple of them here and there, but it's like I said, it's few and far between. You know, these some of these books really kind of deserve a bigger focus on themselves, correct? As like one-off issues, or you know, as they tend to be in DC Black Label, you know, well, you know, part one of three. But like these, these stories, you know, you can really kind of get into them a little bit more, maybe get a little more personal, maybe get a little more out there with it. And, like, that, that kind of stuff really deserves a deeper look. I agree. And thank you thank you for pointing that out because, that, like, you, you, you can't just interrupt a story or a, a, a format or a, um, a designer. Like, and we, we, we say it all the time. 
We invented designer wrestling. And indeed. And when it comes to breaking down the comics, like it's it's disjointing all of a sudden just talk about John Constantine or Swamp Thing. Like like you, like uh, the metaphor I I think about all the time is how uh, how much I love. I mean, like God bless like Ed and like you know all, all even Vance. I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. But when we go to Muse, there's a kids section where yeah. Remember the first time we went to Muse. Remember uh, Merrill's Junior uh, just immediately just went to the kids section while we were we're picking up this book and this book and how do you explain that to a kid and how do you explain that when you're trying to listen to Minefields um, the way we design it on the way to the comic store with your kid and all of a sudden we go into the Smile Killer that's 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 that's, that's not fair. I mean, they're, they're trying to enjoy a good podcast, but um, if we go into the the Smile Killer, that that's um, the the kid doesn't need to know what the content of the Smile Killer. And until, yeah, until he's yeah, that's, that's like that's like having your you know having your child like you know over your shoulder reading Spawn. Oh, dude! You know, you, yeah, you know Spawn or friggin' you know Constantine. You know, there's some. Some definite, you know, darker aspects of comic books that, like, you know, while, you know, more mature readers, quote-unquote, would really enjoy, you know, for those younger readers, you don't need that. Like, they're just not, they're not there yet. They're not there yet. Simple as that. Great, great way to say it. Yeah, and you can, you know, you can definitely choose to enjoy both, enjoy, you know, enjoy any type of, you know, comic book you want, you know, enjoy any type of entertainment you're looking for really you know in a, in a safe environment and whatnot but uh or at least a private environment i don't know you know you, know, you do you yeah but uh agreed uh i remember um i was playing hide my, my parents were playing pokino with what? our next door neighbors that they're best friends with mm-hmm. and uh we're going dark so i'm not trying to be lurid um but i'm just telling you a literal story uh, while they're playing Pokino, me and Bradley were playing hide and seek. I went and hid under my parents' okay. bed, and I found a uh, pictorial magazine of how to make love. <laughs> and uh, it fucked me up, man. Like after that, like I was like, God, I, I want to say it was. My sister wasn't even born, so I want to say she. Uh, I was six when when she was born, so I was. I want to say it was five, and finding that book and and seeing graphic representations of sex mm-hmm. at that young age really fucked me up. I like I didn't need that. Yeah, I I I I, I simply didn't need it, but I became obsessed with it. Yeah, I became obsessed with it, and it. Um, I should have been concentrating on Transformers and GIGOs and but uh, I really lament that I found that. Like, it, it was a, a probably a book my parents found to spice up their life and um, wasn't for my eyes. Yeah. And like, I'm not shaming them. And it was just a, a a book they got to spice things up. And but I saw something that. 
was not for my eyes. And, like, you can't talk about the smile killer to a child. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I mean, there's, like I said, there's a whole section. You know, we talked about when we kind of came up with this idea, you know, talking about going to Blockbuster back in the day. You know, and there's, like, that the back room where only adults could go. You know, as opposed to like you know all the kids. Oh, you you know every Friday night we're gonna go down to Blockbuster, and yeah. you know each kid can pick out one movie and we're gonna watch it. And freaking, you know that was that was a thing people did. You know Blockbuster ruled. You know or you get a video game or whatever, and you know all the video games were super hard. That way you couldn't beat it in a weekend. That way you had to rent it again. You know all that all that stuff. But freaking, like I said, there was that back room that only the you know the grown-ups could go into, and you know you were you're always like yo, oh, I just want to take a peek, I just want to take a peek. But you know, like I said, some things aren't meant for you at a certain age. Yeah, and it is what it is. And and we're separating we're separating those things. I mean, like uh, just just think about you and I as people. I mean, like. Mm-hmm. Your shoot job, if they knew what you really do, like, ten years ago, you'd be fired. I'd be fired. Like, we wouldn't have a, a, a chance in hell. But, you know, granted, things are a little bit different now. But, you know, I can go to work with long hair and I don't, um, and, uh, I don't, I don't have to wear short sleeves. Um, mm-hmm. People leave it alone. And then you, you're... You're the baddest motherfucker I know, man. <laughs> like, like you could beat anyone in the dirt, and uh, in in I see your job, your shoot job, and you're you're the nicest guy. And like, who the hell is this guy? I remember uh, yeah, last <laughs> night. Last night I was dropping. Can use a business voice? Yeah, last night I was dropping off some comics to you, and you were talking to a gentleman in line, and uh, I was like, oh, dude, if you. Please don't piss this guy off. <laughs> Please don't piss this guy off because... For the record, you don't know enough badass motherfuckers. Just want to point that out. Ah, that's not fair. <laughs> I'm trying to put you over, man. You are a legit... Appreciate bad, it. You are a legit bad motherfucker, man. And and what we do... Says so on my wallet. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. It doesn't. It's the one that says bad motherfucker on it. <laughs> Do you have Marcellus Wallace? I think that shows the age of the guys that do this podcast a lot more than it shows the legit badassery. Yeah, you got got Marcellus Wallace's soul in your fucking briefcase, man. (laughs) That's true. Now, uh... But we'll never know. Now, let's, uh... Let's rewind. Um, What was the first legit adult comic you got a hold of? Something that wasn't the Hulk beating someone's ass for ten pages, and then you don't you don't know really know what happened, um, uh, or, or even uh, a book or uh, a movie that really sparked like the violence. Oh man, I, I'm not gonna lie. I really legitimately, I I was pretty basic. When I was a kid, as far as the comics I read, like for, you know, I was, you know, 90s kid, you know, I was very much into like your X-Men, your Batman, stuff like that. But really like the, um, yeah, I think the furthest I went outside of the normal basic superhero comics was probably like Wildcats because it was Image. 
you know, I really didn't get into anything too crazy until I fell off and got back into it following the new 52 when that launched. And then it was probably like going back and finding the old, like I found the, the, the trade paperbacks of the old school Constantines. Oh. And that was really my first, like the old school stuff. And freaking like that was, that was a real stuff. I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is very, uh, a lot darker than what I was reading. Did you? And, but it was fun. Were, uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what religion were you raised in? Oh, I'm Catholic. I was raised Catholic too. And um, when I found Constantine, it was a taboo, and it was something that I shouldn't have been reading, but it was so exciting. Mm-hmm. What's that whole thought process? I shouldn't be reading this, so I want to read it more. You know, we've all, you know, especially being like, you know, male teenagers, you know, that was always a huge thing. Like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. I remember sneaking out of the house and not even, like, I'd go for walks. Like, I wouldn't do anything bad. I wouldn't go meet people. Just sneak out of my house and freaking go walk around the block a few times. But it was so badass because freaking you weren't supposed I was to be doing, doing something that. I shouldn't be doing. And and Johnny, Johnny. So Johnny was your first taste. Oh yeah, no, definitely. You know, Constantine was definitely the first bit. Yeah, maybe some uh, you know, certain Else World comics. I'm real big in the Else World stuff. So those are you know, those can be a lot of fun. But yeah, it's a pretty a lot, a lot of a lot of DC was really kind of DC slash Vertigo I, was I, really my first taste of it. I got a hold of some early heavy metal comic books and um, magazine format. Uh, I was really into um, uh, my allowance money was uh, sweet tea at uh, my, there was a specific uh, sweet tea in the the Liz Blizz. Remember the Liz Blizz that big one that was like the the mm-hmm. white one. I'd get a Liz Blizz and I'd get a Mad Magazine or a Cracked Magazine because they were, and then I'd stay up late at night watching uh, Up All Night or uh, Joe Bob Briggs, and um, they would they would show me the lurid things, but it wasn't in any way. And and, and guys like Minefielders, we're we're not trying to talk about anything pornographic. We're we're just talking about the darker things. Um. I remember watching Swamp Thing for the first time, directed by uh, Wes Craven, and um, mm-hmm. the the chicks running through the swamp, and he pauses it and he's like, "Look at those titties jiggle," <laughs> <laughs> and what I loved about it was my mind was like, "Look at those titties jiggle." <laughs> he he reciprocated. He reciprocated. Like watching, uh, like. Um, uh, married to Children. Okay. Married to Children could never happen now. But, like, if you rewind it and watch it, Al had transgender friends that he had no problems with. Mm-hmm. He, he went to the strip club. He was just vulgar. He, he said what was on his mind. But he was never hateful. Yeah. He, he was never hateful. And, um... The... God, I remember, um... My buddies and I were looking for some uh, lumber we could steal from a uh, uh, construction site on base in Maxwell, and okay. and we found I found an old ass uh, 
some dude had left a penthouse out and it was completely soaked in water and um we we took a bunch of loader made some sling some slingshots and and uh some uh, ramps we took a bunch of uh wood to, to make some ramps for our bikes and our skateboards and uh but i found a heavy metal comic book and it was painted like like it wasn't standard comic book art like I was used to yeah. and I was used to Jim Lee already by now McFarlane but this was painted and and the storyline was amazing and I, I and I didn't even care I didn't knew like there was no opening the cover and last issue on heavy metal no there was none of that it was just deal with it and um I'll never forget it man like um I actually still have it. Actually, oh, nice. I, I actually still have it. Um, just a relic uh, that introduced me to themes that, like uh, we were talking about yesterday, uh, Chuck Palahniuk talking about killing animals. Yeah. We can't talk about that on a regular issue. Yeah. No, definitely. No, no. Like you gotta, you gotta know when and where you get, you know, to, to say stuff that makes, uh, that make it sometimes makes you know makes people uncomfortable. Sometimes makes people think, you know. Yeah. And it's really kind of, and maybe we should get into what you're actually referring to before we kind of delve into it a little bit more, you know. Yeah. Th- th- thank you, uh, uh, Chuck Blonick. His Substack. Uh, if you guys are not familiar with Substack, we actually uh, actually started our Substack uh, the other day. I just haven't added the logos. Um, we can actually write essays on our own if you're late at night and want to get a hair up your ass and think about some sort of idea about wrestling. Uh, like, like I told okay. you, like I told you, how my good buddy who is really into wrestling uh, probably knows more about it than you and I combined, but listens to the show because Morales has that insight. Like uh, when I told him that there was too many cooks in the kitchen if there was New Japan, AEW, Impact. Impact and Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. It was too, too, and he's like, so what did Tony say? I'm like, just, like, we recorded it, just just listen to it. And he's like, and then he listened. He listened, and he, he had some great feedback. And, um, but the writing style, um, Chuck Palahniuk, uh, for all you that are not indoctrinated to Substack is basically a um, a way to publicize yourself and invite people to invest in you. You can actually read this stuff for free. But if it's good enough, you can just give them some money and, you know, it's, it's good enough. Uh, Chuck Blahnik, writer of Fight Club had a uh, Substack article, he does it all the time, where he talks about, like, writing workshops. And he was talking about the uh, killing of animals in, in, in movies and in books. And it hurt reading this because no one wants to see the destruction of an animal. You've got a beautiful cat behind you. Like, uh, yeah. No one wants to see someone step on it. And uh, he was talking about how to use the destruction of an animal in a productive way in a book and how to not do it. And um, 
He did bring it up. I, I, like, it was one of those things, like, it was so engaging. I, I, I wanted to, like, I wish he was my friend and call him up, like, why didn't you bring up American Psycho? Where, like, Patrick Bateman is butchering people. Yeah. But for one scene, he stomps a dog, and you only see the leg go up, but you don't see it, you hear it. And you hear the dog yelp, and um, it added to the story. Let me rephrase that. It unfortunately added to the story, because American Psycho is not the best example of American literature, but it, it, it is American literature. But exploring those ideas of how to um, hurt an animal with, without without saying, "Hey, here's how you hurt an animal in, in, in a in a book." Here's how you don't piss people off. Here's how Greta Garbo deal deal with it in this movie. The whole movie was centered around her dog being killed and. What's his name? Never would have gotten with her unless the the, the dog hadn't gotten killed, or um, uh, to a lesser extent, or, or even a better extent. Uh, did, did you ever watch um, what was that fucking movie? Um, where the kids? It's a Disney movie. The kids move away, and um, it's a German Shepherd, the pit bull, and the cat. Um, oh, far from home. Yes. <laughs> When at the at the end, like 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 Shadow, like we thought Shadow was surely dead because like Chance was like you know like let's, let's, he was gonna hold for everything, and then and at the end when when the dog when Shadow showed up, dude, I, I cried my eyes. I like I cried like my eyes out in the theater. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, people, you know, you always hear people talking about it, like, oh, you know, if you hurt a person, you hurt a person, you know, something, you know, maybe they deserve it, maybe they don't, whatever. You know, given the circumstances, obviously, you know, we're talking about movies and whatnot, but, like, you never, you never hurt an animal. No. And, like, there's, like, you know, there's basically a special place in hell for people who do. There really is. You know? And, but, and like, you know, there's, because at the end of the day, like, animals are inherently innocent like you know they're hungry they're gotta go to the bathroom whatever but like they're not you know there's not really a, a good or bad animal you know people talk about it with like pit bulls and whatnot you know there's not it's not whether the animal itself is inherently good or evil it's the owner it's always you the know that yeah that's what you, you know, that's what you that's what you you know did to these animals and you know, freaking, but like, you know, hurting an animal, like I said, is not for obvious reasons. And I wholeheartedly agree with this. You know, is if you're gonna hurt an animal, there's, you know, you don't really have too many redeeming qualities. No. And and you know, and he brought up this. He 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 brought it up specifically as a writer's workshop about mm-hmm. about hurting an animal in a book, and he didn't yeah. ha- he didn't have to. He was just exploring the nether regions of storytelling. And um, you and I have had discussions about how to put a wrestler over, how to um, – we would prefer Batman be written. Um, and last night when I was texting you a million times, like um, feral quality. Mm-hmm. Like uh, – 
I handed you fell and you're like, what the fuck is this? And you handed it back to me, like, and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and and the, the, the darker qualities of things are not necessarily bad, but they do have to be explored. And they have to be explored in a specific fashion, and that's what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a thing, like, you know, a lot of, you know, you can see a lot of yourself in some of these in some of these books. You know, like how you would handle a situation. You know how you know I would never do this. I would do that. Blah blah blah. And like it's just and, and like I said, part of it's that uh, that thought process of I shouldn't necessarily be reading this, but I want to read it more because of that. Right, and we've never been in the situation where someone's been killed. Or, uh, but at the same time, though, uh, I was reflecting on this today. I was really, I've really been slaving over the idea of dark. Uh, is mm-hmm. the the best quality as a human is simply not to be on the news. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, we've never been in a situation where you come home and your old lady's drilling some other guy, and they're filming it, and they're in your house, and next thing you know, you're killing people. Um, those are crimes of passion. Those are all prosecuted as, as second-degree murder, where you walk in and you accidentally killed somebody. And luckily, you and I have never been in those situations, but the books that we're focusing on are pretty similar. Uh, how did yeah. you... Like, like uh, the, the thing about Fell was throughout the entirety of it, as he's being the one of the best detectives and... And humanizing humanity was what the fuck did he do? Yeah, what put him in this situation? What brought him to this city? Because the whole thing was he left, you know, his detective job in this other city, and we don't we don't know why. You know, we still haven't found out why. We, you know, they're they're and you know these people on this the basically the other side of the tracks are just. Some of the, you know, there's a few good people there that he's befriends, but like the majority of them are just some of the worst people imaginable. The uh, the mortician that drops the the tomato in the body and picks it up and yeah, and then he says it's hard to get fresh fruit. And, yeah. And and the idea that there's bodies piled up on on the corner of a street and he's Mister Goody Two Shoes that did something wrong. But what did he do so wrong to get banished to yeah. to a feral city? Yeah, yeah. There's that. There's the I believe it was the nun that was always around, and we never knew why she was there. But you knew she knew something. She knows something. She knows something. She 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 absolutely knows something. And then we get the flashback scenes where his. Uh, former partner is taking photos and like my mind went straight to memento uh did you ever see memento oh yeah yeah like, like where he, like, my mind went straight to memento that he was taking polaroids to remember that he was there that day and they mm-hmm. had a, and they had a conversation but whatever he did was so bad he got he got literally banished to hell as a good person I mean like like 
Well, it's, it's, it's kind of reminiscent of killing joke, man. You know, sometimes, you know, the whole thought process of killing joke is it's, you know, one bad day is what drove the Joker insane in theory. You know, they've kind of, you know, that's kind of been retconned a little bit over the years. But that was the basic premise. You know, you never know. You don't know. Like, freaking, like, just crossing the street. Because, you know, if that, if the guy driving the pickup truck or whatever, you know, just freaking lost his job or caught his wife cheating or, you know, freaking got into it with, you know, his partner or whatever, you know, you don't know what, you don't know what's going on in his head, you know. Oh, you know, I make it a point to always stop just to be on the safe side. You don't know if he's paying attention, you don't know if he's on his phone, you don't know if he's been drinking. Right. You know, I don't. I just don't, you know, I don't trust them. No, no, the human beings are a strange breed. Um, I love that you brought up The Killing Joke because um, that book hurt my head. That book hurt my soul. Um, granted, I'm not participant in any of, the, any of what happened, but <clears throat> shooting Babs in, in the spine and raping her with the Hawaiian shirt taking photos um enslaving Gordon simply to get the bat's attention uh the the idea that you have everything under control you the the Joker is an Arkham yeah Killer Croc might be on the loose but we'll, we'll find him in a minute but what you're really focused on is that you have a definitive enemy. Yeah. And one of us is going to kill the other. And when you... And, 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 and help me out with this one. The, the The bad dream quality of this is that Bats, Bruce, one of us is going to kill the other. And he did the man thing. He... he I don't want uh, any of us to kill the other one. And he shows up at Arkham, like, listen, I had a bad dream. And he pushes the light over and realizes that it's one of the, uh, it's one of the guards that's been Joker poison gas, and the Joker's already gone, and the Joker is about to do as much mayhem as possible just to push his buttons. Yeah, I mean, the entire premise is basically, like I said, the one bad day scenario, and you know, he's going out of his way to break Jim Gordon, destroy Jim Gordon as a man and as a, as a human. Just to make, just to prove a point to the Batman, and that's at the end of the day, that's all it's about. Is to, you know, I want to prove to you, you know, if it the day is bad enough, anybody can be broken. And it's it's really funny though, because if you think about it, one bad day made the Batman. One bad day made the Batman. Yeah. The entire premise of Batman is all based around this guy that had one bad day, lost both his parents, and he never got over it. Do do you ever worry you're going to have one bad day? Not all the time, man. You never know when something, you know, 
crazy could happen, you know. And the thing about it is, is you know, it's life, man. You can only you only have control over so much stuff, right? Like you, you, you have control over what how, you know how you handle situations when they arise. You know, you have control. You know, if you make it to work on time or not. You know, oh hey, if I leave five minutes early, you know, I'll be fine. You know, you oversleep. You know, you're 20 minutes late. You get fired. You know, you do, or you do something stupid and you get fired. You know, that stuff's all controllable in theory. It's not necessarily always in your control because stuff happens. See, what, what, but like you never know when other stuff, you know, when stuff goes wrong that you just you have no control over. What what, what and conf- you know what confuses me is how you as a human being I put you over all the time, but you've got a beautiful wife, you've got a beautiful child. Like the the most the the most I got to worry about is that someone breaks in my house and steals my Spider Man three hundred. But you gotta worry about whether or not someone's gonna bully your kid or some shithead decides to sabotage your wife's promotion or uh, whether or not, you know, bills are paid. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a pretty cushy condition here and you've got a lot of responsibility. But one bad day one bad day we don't have a we're in the really real world man like you don't have the yeah one bad day and you decide to be vigilante you don't have that option how do you do it no I mean really dude a lot of it's rolling with the punches you know don't you know like I said you got control over so much handle what you know handle what you can control you know, first like bill wise, freaking first thing I do when I get a paycheck is pay off whatever bills I need to get paid. That way, that money's where it needs to go. You know, as far as like you know, doing stuff for with my you know for my kid and my wife is just you know if that kind of stuff presents itself, you've got to kind of you know keep a little head and do what you can to make the situation better. You know, whether that's whether that's talking or listening or, you know, doing other stuff to make a bad situation better. It's just kind of, you know, it's, I guess, putting people above yourself, really. You know, if you care about somebody, that's, you know, what you do. You know, whether it's, you know, your wife, your child, your parents, friends, you know, coworkers, whatever. I I always have like these like neurotic ideas that uh, we're gonna be at like a subway on the way to New York and someone's gonna pull a gun and I'm gonna stand in the front of the way because you get you you've got more to lose um in a heartbeat in in a heartbeat and um I just appreciate the factors you bring into without acknowledging what I don't have. So I I appreciate that. Um, But I'm very aware of 
Meryl Jr.'s he's he's running a raucous right now, right? Yeah. Like when when you when you tell me he's into Godzilla, I should watch Godzilla. Kids got better taste than me. Yeah, he does. Little shit's little shit's got better better uh, choice and wrestlers and, and but one bad day. One bad day. Yeah. There, there's there's the Punisher. There's uh, the Joker and the Killing Joke, which, uh, from what I have ascertained, is the definitive uh, origin of the Joker. To um, even even uh, Weapon X, like like uh, have you have you actually read Weapon X, the the original Barry Windsor Smith? Yeah, I know a little bit of the story, but no, I haven't actually read it. One bad day, he gets kidnapped. And they torture this guy. Like reading Weapon X is like by, by Barry Windsor Smith is like watching. It's it's worse than watching Saw. It's torture porn. They 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 they, they, they hurt this guy. And um, yesterday I I told you um, I have a legitimate fear that I'm fever ridden. I'm not in my actual reality. And you were like, yo, you want to watch Moon Knight? <laughs> I'm like, no. I have not watched Moon Knight, but like, apparently that's what's going on in Moon Knight. But um, uh, let, let's talk about Batman, the smile killer. How did it, how did it, I mean, like, uh, I mean, it, it's like watching Pee Wee Hermit. To me, and th- that's what really upset me. Like when I when I called you when I read this, and I'm like, this really fucked me up. And what really bothered me, it was like watching Pee Wee Herman. Like Pee Wee Herman, I did not like Pee Wee Herman when I was a kid. He he upset the shit out of me. And we've got little Bruce. Are you happy to be alive, children? Yes! Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. And then, tell your parents! <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh... It's interesting. It's, like, the, uh, the art's really good in this one. But yeah, like, he's just watching the show, Mr. Smile's Playhouse. And there's this guy in a Hawaiian shirt with a puppet. And, like, it starts out pretty, you know, pretty normal. Pretty I think that's nice. one of those things is really, yeah. And the next thing you know, he's just like, oh, you know, talking to this one kid. And like, you know, hey, are you, are you happy? And he's like, are you really happy, though? Like, what's, you know, you know don't lie to us, you know. If you're sad, you're sad. And he's just, you know, and the young Bruce is just like, I don't know, you know, I just feel sad all the time. You know, and then he's like, well, we gotta, we'll do, you know, you know, what can we do to help, basically? And then he's like, you know, if you're not careful, you know what you'll become. And then he's just like, Mr. Pouts. And he's like, you know, that's right. You know, you don't want to be like mean old Mr. Pouts. And then he's like, you know, let's go uh, let's make you an imaginary friend. So he goes and he draws this you know, this thing on a good old brown paper sack. Expected to be drawing something happy. Yeah. 
he draws this and he draws Mr. Palace. And, you know, for, they're like, oh, now you got to be punished. And he takes the scissors that he used to make Mr. Palace and is going to gouge himself, gouge his eyes out. And, you know, fortunately his mom comes in and she pulls the scissors out of his hands and ends up slapping him. And then it's just like, you know, you, you know, you don't do that. And why are you, why are you doing this? And he's just like, Mr. Smiles told me to. And she just stops and she's like, who's Mr. Smiles? And straight into the abyss. Yeah. And that, and then it all somehow magically goes downhill from there. You know, we see that uh, Batman in current day is going into this butcher shop. You know, Gordon's there. He's you know trying to give him a couple minutes, and he goes in there, and we just see this this family or these coworkers just jokerized and stuffed into these you know, into the into the into the meat locker, like like where you go to the deli and. And uh, you're picking out, like, let me get a half pound of that and a sandwich slice, and they're stuffed in there. Yeah. And every, everybody's jokerized and everybody's dead. You know? And Batman's just like, you know, and Gordon's over here trying to tell him, you know, you can't save everyone. And then he ends up looking down and he finds this brown paper sack and it exactly matches the one he drew when he was a kid exactly matches the one not not uh, a re- not a replica not a uh, facsimile it's the one i drew yeah how the it's mr it's mr pouts how the fuck is this here and why are you in my head and, and Gordon just... What is it? It's something I made. What do you mean, something you made? Mr. Pouts. And then, snap! Snap! Just, 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 like, he's not there. Yeah. He's there, but, like, like straight to the Pee Herman shit, man. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy. You know... You know, we go back to that scene where you know his mom stops him from stabbing himself in the eyes. Now, now the other, the the other thing that that really sticks out to me is that the, this is a drywall standard home, L- little recliner, and there's an orchid in the corner. Um, this isn't the this is this isn't Wayne Manor. This is not Wayne Manor. And and and. and did you catch that? It's just, just the, that's a that's an apartment. Like you, you see the, you see the door on the uh, on the side with, with the circuit breakers on. And then we get straight back into the shit, and Joker is flying through the air. Yeah, and he stabs Batman in the back, or no, it stabs him in the chest, but uh, it's with a pair of scissors. Yeah, not the same scissors that. Bruce tried to stab his eye out with, but scissors nonetheless. And he's quoting the show. And it's breaking, it's breaking Bruce. Shut up! 
Like, 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 when does Batman say shut up? Like, 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 like stop. When does Batman talking? lose control? Yes. Thank and, you. And he's and he's losing control. And he, you know, he just starts punching the Joker, and teeth are flying out. You know, and Joker's just like, you know, you ruined my smile. Not nice. And then, he, but he keeps, he he keeps going back to the TV show, quoting it, talking about arts and crafts. And you know, why don't we head inside the playhouse? I have a wonderful adventure planned for us. And then we wake up. And we see uh, Mr. Arnell here. And he just looks at Bruce talking about what's wrong. And, you know, Bruce wakes up and he's in Arkham Asylum. This was such an amazing monkey wrench to wake up in Arkham Asylum and he's wearing the, he's wearing the cowl. He, like, you can plainly see Wayne... The patch on his yep. chest and, and his, like, he's not necessarily his roommate, but just, like, the guy that's close to him, like, shut the fuck up. Like, like, there's no Batman. There's no Joker. And this conversation terrified me. I, I, I'm, I'm constantly worried that I'm in a fever dream. Yeah. That and this is a, this is an argument they've had for the last three years, oh. off and on. But yeah, no, man, I could deal. But like, and the thing about comics like this is it makes you, it throws it out there. What if, the entire time, we're any moment, any given moment away, from Bruce Wayne waking up and everything Batman's lived through, has been false. It's terrifying. Uh, not 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 just from the, um, the pop culture aspect, but like Batman means so much to us. Yeah, you know he's had his amazing adventures, and you know what Batman means culturally. Could you imagine if they just if somebody just got a hair and was just like, yeah, let's do it. It's all a lie. No. Uh, I, I, Let alone stuck with it over the long, long period of time. Uh, you and I have been balls deep in Batman since we were children. Yeah. Like, like imagine if you find out that Mr. Rogers was a uh, Catholic priest raping asshole, <laughs> like, or, or, or Bob Ross. Like, 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 but, but to find out the bat that stands for or the Hulk Hogan's a racist. <laughs> you know. It's, it's, it's that whole it's, it's that whole thing man for you know, the famous quote you know live uh, you die a hero or live long enough to become the villain this was terrifying to me man like the, the like if Batman's not really Batman then what's going on in Gotham I mean it's a feral city we talked about it earlier <laughs> but then again is it really a feral city then <laughs> what if what if Batman breaks out of Arkham and then everything's fine. See, that was a point I wanted to... Uh, That's why I texted you last night, was... <coughs> excuse me. Was that there were no lies in Gotham. Mm-hmm. 
there's no like if you and I get robbed on Constitution and powers, like people are gonna be like, what were they doing there? Maybe <laughs> it's obviously. Yes, yes. But but Gotham. People are going to school there. <laughs> they're, they're living and dying there. Mm-hmm. It, it, like, like uh, they go to nice games. They they enjoy their life. They uh, one of the things that always disjoints me is um, forgive me. It's just like I love the fact that Nightwing is in Bloodhaven, but mm-hmm. is, is like Bloodhaven like the Aurora of Denver? <laughs> like like um. It's 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 specifically, specifically violent. Like yeah. re- remember when Babs and and Nightwing were chasing Bitewing. Yeah. And we see the hippies growing their plants outside, being day to day humans like like um, the the pedestrians on the street. Just this is normal. And we haven't even gotten into the extra PB quality of what Bats is going to waking up into into uh, Arkham Asylum. But mm-hmm. that's, that's just Gotham. I mean, uh, like uh, honestly, I would feel safer in Gotham because I would know that there's danger everywhere. I, 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 I we we live in Colorado Springs. Not too much to worry about here. Military uh, background for like 50% of the people live here. Not too much to worry about. But Gotham? If, if we got robbed here, we'd be like, oh my god. Can't believe this happened. I call the local police? Yeah. Call the authorities. Yeah, we would, but but not Gotham. You, the, yeah. the, the, the environment is different and and then compound on that you wake up in Arkham Asylum and your whole life is a lie yeah and you find out you know in the next couple of pages we find out really what's going on you know how much of a lie it could possibly be you know because we've got Ben over here talking to Bruce about how yeah, I've heard you're Batman you've said you tell me this for three years you know Dude, you're you're not Batman. <laughs> like this whole thing is something you made up in your head. You know, Batman's not real, and you know this. You know, and Bruce just you know isn't buying it. You know, this has got to be, this is a plan. You know, this is somebody. Are you are you Clayface? Yeah. You know, there's no way this is real. And like, and, and with Batman, you can be like, maybe it isn't. You know, maybe this whole thing is a, you know, is a joke, is a work, It's friggin'. It's not real, dude. When, but he he doesn't he, he doesn't find a way out. When when Lil Bruce is uh, flashbacking, talking to therapists, Jim Gordon, not commissioner, and he's wiping the tears on his his shoulder. That was the, I had to put the book down. I, yeah. I I put the book down. Like how many times you remember as a kid doing that, but. I never had to wipe the tears away of that I'm actually responsible for the death of my father 
Yeah. And the ruination of my family. And that everything I might believe in is a lie. But that, 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 I had to put the book down, man. I, 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 I literally put the book down and walked away. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's an intense scene. And, like, it's just the, the art, it's like we were talking about the other day. You know, the, the art accentuates the story. You know, is it, you know, it's very, it's much more realistic art than in your run-of-the-mill Batman or Detective Comics issue. Yeah, it's not this overly detailed jumping off a building that normal humans don't do. The, yeah. It's expressions of people that, if you see this or recognize this expression, it's going to fuck you up. Four ways from fucking Friday, and when Jim is pulling off his his glasses and he's saying, "Please, don't do this, not again." Yeah, you know he's talking about. Have you seen Mister Smiles again? Is that that where we're going? You know, is this where this is going? And we see Bruce with a with a bloody nose, and like, but he can't. You know, he's sad, but he can't. He he isn't making eye contact with Jim. He's just, he's bypassing the entire conversation, talking about, they've gotten to you too, we need to find a way out, Jim. He's, he's trying. Yeah, and Jim's just like, again, can't look at him either. And he's like, just please, just, just don't do this again. You know, don't, we, like, we've got to feel, we've got to break this now, like, this is, this is, you know, Jim Gordon's a man that's been listening to this for 20 years, probably, at this point. You know, we see Jim age. You know, we see him. You know, he's like, you know, and then, and then he, he calls him Clayface. You know, we're, oh, you got to be somebody else. Like he's just he's given into what we're meant to believe is our delusions. You know, and he's just like, you know, you need to see this. And his mom walks in. You know, Martha Wayne walks in, oh. and. She, that hit hard. That hit hard. Yeah. That hit hard. Yeah. Yeah, and you see, like you said, you see the look on Jim's face. You look on Martha's face. Now you now, see the shock in Bruce's face. Now, as a designer, as a uh, artist, every line you add in someone's face adds five years. Mm-hmm. Look at how crag-filled her face is. Like, like compared to Jim, Jim Jim's got the the furrows uh, on the brows, but her. Mm-hmm. But look at the look at the upside down, cross eyed furrows on hers. She she's aged every day for a year, mm-hmm. and. It, it's not accidental that you get those like cross the crosshairs uh, when you're doing stippling and, and uh, stippling is when you're doing the dots, but but the cross and cross hatching, mm-hmm. adding to the face every line adds a year. And hello, Bruce, mother, just just like again, oh. had to put the week down. Had to walk away like that. That that this book legitimately fucked me up. Yeah, not definitely. I mean, you can definitely see why. 
you know, and he just, you know, we see Batman just openly weeping, talking about how he saw his mother die. And she's just like, no, not me, you know, no, sweetheart, not me. And he just starts explaining it, you know, father was shot in you. You know, and as she wipes the tears from her son's eyes, she's just like, you don't remember, you don't remember what really happened. And we turn the page, and we see his father with a single bullet wound in his chest through his heart, draped in red on a red carpet. And we see a smoke, a, a child, an eight-year-old child with clown makeup on and a smoking gun talking about how he told me to do it. Do you, do you agree this should be the, uh, the graphic? The the red room, dead body in the carpet. Yeah, this the, this is this is this is the cover. Yeah, this is the cover. Yeah. I'd say either that or they reveal of his mother. Oof. Just the look on the face is really. Yeah, but it turns out you know in this, just version of reality, Bruce apparently shot and murdered his own father, because. The puppet told me to do it. Mr. Smiles told me to do it. You know, then we just follow up, and he's back in his, his cell or his room, and he's alone again. That's and not, it's just dark. That's not fair. Like, like, like the, the, the illuminated just silhouette. The anti-silhouette. That's, yeah. not, that's not fair. We just went from the bloody carpet... The crags on Martha's face to just please God, <laughs> and, and and then the upside down with the, with with the the cowl and the cape and the moon and the bats. Could you imagine being in that space? And the the only thing that held me together on on this scene here because we see it upside down this isn't a mirror image it's 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 a it's kind of a mirror image but here a failure but it wasn't a walk away moment it was a do I believe in Bruce yeah and that's the thing like we we see Bruce silhouetted in white and then we see Batman's silhouette in the black with the, the red background, the full moon. And, like, it, it, you know, it, it, you know, you see the emptiness in Bruce's life, which for the most part has always kind of been the way you think of Batman. You know, Bruce is empty and alone by himself, and he lives, he lives as Batman. You know, that Bruce Wayne was the, uh, Bruce Wayne's really the mask has been a thought process used for years, probably decades, really. And now we're seeing that, like in this story, Batman was—you know—Batman was all a figment of his imagination. Batman was all a fantasy. And if that's true, what does Bruce have left? He's got nothing. Nothing. And I think that's a lot of where the story really focuses on is 
you know, at the end of the day, Batman is a eight-year-old's revenge fantasy. And, you know, how do you handle that when, at the end of the day, you know, he's in his 20s or 30s at this point, and all he has left is that fantasy. That's hard. Yeah. I mean, it really makes you, you know, makes you stop and think a little bit. You know, and we turn that around, and I see, you know, he's, he's yelling for Arnell. He's yelling for Ben, the guy in the next room over. And Ben's just like, it's late. Like, I, 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 I don't need this right now. And then he's, and Bruce just kind of openly admits he's not sure. For the first time in his life, he's not sure he's any, he's not sure of anything. But Arnell shows him. Yeah, he's just listening to him, and, and you know, Bruce is just like, you know, if there's, you know, if they're threatening your family, you're listening. Like, if, if you know something, I need, I need a sign, any sign that I'm not crazy. And you don't see, uh, you Arnell says nothing, but he just kind of looks away, and then he holds up the brown bag. And it's Mr. Pallets all over again. You're, you're sane. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and then, you know, he's just like, you know, they think they have me. They think they've won. And Bruce just, you know, loses it. And he's just like, hey, come on, come on. And, you know, he's trying to egg on the guards. And the guards come and he escapes. This next page just... Knock me off my, my, my socks off. Crash. Old school, like, yeah, Sin, City, Sin City style. I was thinking the same thing, Sin City. You know, just got the, you know, the white body with the black background and, you know, what looks like rain. And we got the big crash also in white and the glass shattering behind him. Yeah, it's not a holy, holy uh, something, Batman. Just crash. I would run. I should feel free, but... I feel it closing in on me. Not the guards, but doubt. And that is the whole fucking point of this book. Doubt. And the doubt is indoctrinating him that he is an insane person. (laughs) His mom comes in. The indoctrination of doubt... And then crash, crash, and Sin City style. Yeah, we were on the same page on that one, man. Thank you. Oh yeah, no, definitely. But yeah, I I like the fact that it's always it always goes back to the simple pen on this freaking brown paper bag. That's just everything in this issue. You're saying, but at the end of the day, he's still just looking for a sign. You know, and even then, once he busts out, I need a sign. I need to know who and what I am. And he looks up into the sky. And we see the bad signal. So it's not, you know, in theory, this is, you know, you know, this story will continue. Because now he knows. 
you know, and then it ends with now where to begin. Let's kick some ass. Yeah, this like you said, this is intense. It's it's intense. It's different. You know, I've, we we talked earlier about how this this similar scenario has been used in other comics, like a. Uh, the three-parter came out a few years ago last night on Earth. That hurt. Kind of used something similar. You but, know, you, you know, you, this is intense. It is intense. And you're, you're questioning your sanity. And then I bring up to you that three jokers came out in October 2020. And, mm-hmm. and then we realize that the last almost two years, like, like someone can, like, I can imagine us being at the original CSW meeting mm-hmm. about what we were promised and where we're sitting there talking. But if someone came in in the room and stopped time, and told us what we were going to be doing, we just said, no fucking way. Like, like it's, it's, it's too long. There's too much going on. There's no way this could happen in a year in less than a half. And, yeah. And, and here we are, stronger, tired. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> We did everything in a year and a half, and what we do, and and you always question me, like like it's not your photos, it's your it's your photos. That's not fair. It's it's our brand. Yeah. You need to subscribe to that because it's our brand. Like we we have done so much. I could not have done any of these photos without having a bro egging me on, get it done. Let's do it. Uh, but but at the same time, what you contribute is instrumental. And and if a year and a half ago someone said, "Yo, you guys are gonna do this." You're going to be running a fed. You're going to be this, this, and that. And I would have said, fuck you. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely been a crazy whirlwind of a journey, that's for sure. But yeah, no, nah, man, it's freaking, uh... No, no, no way. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> when you think about it. It's legit crazy. And... Smile Killer was legit crazy. And... Mm-hmm. You just gotta keep going, and yeah, and that's the thing, man. Freaking, you know, this came out in August of 2020. You know, this was, you know, I found out before the podcast. This was actually the uh, the follow up to Joker Killer Smile, which was a three part black label. And now I just kind of want to go out and find that and see what uh what that was all about. You know, further down the rabbit hole. Rabbit hole, indeed. And it, it just... I gotta say, it terrifies me. Because I'm not used to change. 
Which is funny coming from a guy whose uh, parents were in the military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't like it. And mm-hmm. come on, man. Like, the things we've done in a year and a half. And we're reading Smile Killer and questioning your sanity. And I hope you minefielders understand that it can happen. Just keep pushing. Yeah, like I said, man, one bad day can make a horror, can do some crazy things to your mentality, but one good day can really kind of, you know, do the opposite, you know. One, you know, or, you know, a bad day that you, you fight back from. You know, freaking... Yeah, we didn't, you know, we didn't leave that joint under the uh, best of circumstances. No, we didn't. Is what it is, you know, without getting, you know, too personal or trashing anybody. You know, we were, promises were made that weren't kept. Things were said that didn't happen. Is what it is, you know. It's neither, uh, you know, neither here nor there. But, you know trudged forward, we kept doing what we are doing and we did a hell of a lot more than we were you know, even planning on at the time you know, we had a couple a couple of uh, good cards in our deck you know we you know, took what we had and we just with the consistency and you know, kind of building up from there, we really made something out of it. We did, man you know, and that's that's awesome because freaking, you know, it's you know, it's not what it you know could be, but it's a lot better than it could be. Also, yeah, we could have gone crazy and questioned everything and and just quit. Yeah, but that that yeah. quitting was not an option. Yeah, you know, but uh, you know, it's kind of same thing with uh, same thing with Batman. You know, at the end of the day, freaking, he was questioning his very sanity and you know he kept pushing through because he needed you know he needed maybe he needed to be right maybe he needed to just know that he wasn't crazy and it's a real interesting story to see if they ever shoot out a volume two of this you know it'll be interesting to see where they go with it you know are they gonna you know how much further down the rabbit hole can we go you know, is this more delusions? Is this not more delusions? Is Batman actually crazy? Is he, you know, is this just somebody screwing with him? You know, and if it is, who's who's playing the mom? You know, is it going to end up being Harley in a mask? Is it going to end up being the Joker? You know, Talia, Raish? You know, it could be anybody. What? You know, that's kind of the fun of the fun of black labels that you know if you like it it's canon you don't like it it's not canon but you can you can really explore you know the different takes on these classic characters there have been many times in my life where I have been looking in the mirror after a shower or something really bad happened and I'm wiping away the dew and I'm staring at myself, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Everything's okay. 
And I can't imagine what's going on in Bruce's mind when he sees the bat signal after he's been told that he's not Batman. And saying that has a lot of different degrees when it comes to real life. challenge yourself to just keep on like like the the meat and potatoes here that I got from this particular story was don't anyone tell you what the what reality is don't anyone tell you what everything is going on is is a falsity what you're experiencing is real and Bruce broke and Bruce broke out. He broke out from seeing his dead mother. I killed my father. And he breaks out. Just give me a signal, God. Just give me a signal. And the bat signal is in the is in the sky. And who who can we always rely on? Him. Gordon, Batman, Alfred. You know, it'll be like I said. I just, uh, it kind of frustrates me a little bit. This is written in 2020, and we haven't gotten a sequel yet. I think we should write it. I think, Could be fun. I think Jeff Lemire was lighting a uh, fire under a bunch of people's asses to figure out how to make it happen, and I think we. We could go through the first bank robbery. Killer Croc is breaking through everything. We can go through the riddles. I think Jeff Lemire was looking for someone to perpetuate the story. And you and I are... Like, like we we usually finish minefields around like what, like one o'clock, and then we're usually in bed by two because you and I are just talking about stories. Yeah, just stories. Um, how to perpetuate the how to perpetuate the story? Um, when it, with fell. How how would you like how would you like to see fell end? I, I want an ending. I want a fucking ending. Just end the story. I don't care if we get what he did across the bridge. Mm-hmm. I want an ending. Do you want to see him dead after an awesome caper? But at the same time, uh, an awesome caper would require multiple multiple issues when yeah. like, like like when he goes into the clot the the dressing room and that guy mm-hmm. has dynamite dynamite ready and a lot of people yeah and he's got all kinds of you know people there with him and he's gonna blow everybody up and he ends up talking him down where, where would your protagonist end up Man, I don't know. Cause I kind of feel like 
like with Fell, I feel like you need some concrete answers before you end it. Like I, I feel like you'd have to know what brought him there. You know, maybe dig more into the uh, the sigil that they draw on the houses. You know, where did that like we it's supposed to be there for protection, but like where did they where did it come from? You know, maybe you can find out more about the nun. You know, or at least I, I feel like there was so much mystery my, involved in that story that, like, some of those questions must be answered. My armchair booking on the nun is the ex-partner that got fucked over and got shot because has no memory. My armchair booking on this one, it's it's his wife. That will refuse to let this man leave a peaceful existence. Yeah. After whatever caper they he botched. I'm thinking I'm, I'm thinking this is his wife. And at the same time Mine feels dark. He deserves it. I think the ending of Fell should be the wife getting the revenge. Interesting. You 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 botched this. You got banished. But that's not good enough for me. I think the nun should be the ex-wife. Lies. And, and if you, I can see, I can see that, but I feel like the fact that she's dressing up like a nun has to somehow involve what happened to his partner. I think the nun thing is all innocuous in terms of the fact that you're you're gonna ignore a nun. She's not gonna hurt you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I feel like that could be a reminder to fell. Of what he did. Are there any other like, books that you have encountered, like Swamp Thing, John Constantine, Walking Dead, that just fell flat because the ending wasn't the justifiable ending? Oh yeah, like first thing that comes to mind would be Three Jokers. Oh. Yeah, like I, I hated the fact that at the end of the day it was just one Joker. And, like, it didn't matter. Like, that was built up so hard and so long. And, freaking, I get it. The fact that it was supposed to be around the same time as Doomsday Clock ended, and Doomsday Clock ran so much longer than was originally supposed to, that it screwed up quite a few things. But, like, the fact that at the end of the day, it was just three issues, and it was just over, and it was just nothing it should have affected the uh it should have affected everything in yeah. Batman so, you so know uh, we talked we were talking about um you're hmm? saying that despite the fact that it was a black lib book it should have affected all of the main continuity of Joker and everything and yeah. we, it I thought it was it was too big you know it was it was too big not to I felt like like I was 
we were, I was thinking about um, Devil's Reign on Marvel. You know, and at the end of that, we had the uh, the death of Matt Murdock, or the end of the death of Mike Murdock, what was utilized as basically the death of Matt Murdock, so that he and Electric could go and form the Fist to take out the Hand. We had Luke Cage becoming mayor because he ran unopposed. We had the the Kingpin's son rise to power to become the new Kingpin to claim his inheritance from his father. And we had the Kingpin and Electra and uh, Typhoid Mary sailing off into the sunset, even though we know eventually they're coming back. You know, all those four points are huge for the Marvel Universe because New York is such a centralized hub for superheroes. We've got a new, you know, a new top superhero in Luke Cage as the mayor. We've got a new villain rising in Butch, the, the kingpin. And we've, you know, basically a changing of the guard. You know, we've got the kingpin actually going away for a happy ending, the, which is fun. But, you know, it's he's going to come back at some point, and what's going to bring him back? The death of Mike really chaffed me. Considering... I've been all about Mike since the uh, annual two years ago. And mm-hmm. I liked Mike. He was always trying to center Bush. And it didn't work out for him. And mm-hmm. it worked out for Daredevil. Yeah, on public TV, um, everyone knows that Matt Murdock was beaten to death. <laughs> yeah. that That's something, but... The the idea that Wilson Fisk and Typhoid Mary sailed off and literally sailed off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, that bothered me. Did it? How, how did you feel? I, I like I said, I'm intrigued to see because I know you know at some point they're coming back. And for again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they come back. It's going to be interesting to see if they come back together, you know. And what's going to what's good? What what would if Kingpin has his happy ending? What would be big enough to bring him back to Hell's Kitchen? Now let's rewind back to Fell. Okay. If that sort of idea had been indoctrinated into what we're, what we're watching, where he's the expert detective, um, how do you feel about where there's no happy ending? With a story like Fell, I don't feel like there could be. Like, I almost feel like it would go against the grain of the story for it to be. It's the equivalent of there being a happy ending at Spawn. Like, at the end of the day, Al Simmons can't win. No, he can't. He's just not... He's just not that guy. Like, there is... You know, there's no redemption for Spawn. He's literally a hell Spawn. And at the end of the day, I don't think there's any true redemption for Fel. He might die a hero's death. But at the end of the day, he'll end up up dying alone. 
he'll end up dying probably broke. And the best he could hope for is a hero's end. Now, when I watch these stories, I, I like the we're talking about Fell, we're talking about Hellspawn. I think about Seven. Okay. Uh, the the movie about how there is no happy ending here. He had to execute mm-hmm. John Doe. Yeah. But, but at the same time, the things we're exposed to are not okay. He, mm-hmm. f- he fed that guy his the 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 the, uh, the glutton the gluten. Mm-hmm. His stomach exploded. Um, yeah. We we get the the prostitute with the the knife, uh, the knife dildo. Uh, yeah. We, 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 and and we get the 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 expert detective that is like, I don't want to do this, <laughs> and and has like, hey, they don't have to. Yeah, but I, I have to. Where he wakes up and he's throwing the knives into his uh, dartboard. Mm-hmm. We, we get Brad Pitt just playing with his dogs. Um, the, the, where they humanize things. And we get an awful story. Like, uh, I always tell people... Um, uh, Nine Inch Nails closer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I want to fuck you like an animal, and uh, and and we go to any any strip club and they're playing that song, but that's an ugly song. It's about domination. It's about losing control. It's it, it, it's about um. That song is about not being who you should be and pretending to be someone else. Okay, I see that. And then we get stories like Fell and and Seven, and there's no happy ending. How do you feel when there's no happy ending? I think it depends on the story. Like, I I remember Jeepers Creepers. At the end of the day, the bad guy won. I remember really enjoying the fact that the bad guy won because so often, you know, they don't. And it's kind of nice to get that every now and again. But I think, like, we were talking last podcast about how the art needs to reflect the story. I mean, the, the ending obviously has to. You can't, you know, they're, they're definitely good twist, and but they're definitely horrible twist where you freaking take a right turn at the last second and the whole thing just falls apart. You know, I think the, you know, I know you're, you're personally not a big fan of the term about the, uh, the story rights itself. Like, we've definitely had discussions about that, how it's kind of... It's, it's easy. It's, e- it's easy, it's lazy. It's lazy. But, but you can't, there, there's some, there are some things you just have to do. There's some things you just can't avoid. And you can't always, you can't always have a happy ending. Like, I think that's that's true in life, and I think it's true in stories, you know. I mean, the, the hero can definitely win out in the end, eventually. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to fight, you know, you've got to fight through hell to get there sometimes. you got to fight through hell to get to heaven. 
and there's no redemption for it. Yeah, I mean, some, sometimes there's just not. You know, sometimes freaking bad people are just bad people. You know, sometimes, you know, you can fight like hell to redeem yourself, and sometimes it's just not enough. And that sucks. Uh, you know, freaking, so, so it, you know, it's like, it's almost like a toxic relationship. You know, two people can be together for years, and they could be totally, they could be fine. But freaking sometimes two people get together, and, you know, they love each other, but they're just horrible for each other. And that's just that's just the way it is. Like sometimes people just, you know, don't mesh. Not not necessarily that either person's a horrible person, but some people are just toxic to other people. Just is kind of what it is. The the ending of Eight Millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, when Thomas he finds out like the, there's there's many stages of this movie. Where he's mm-hmm. investigating the uh, legitimacy that a little girl just got butchered in an actual snuff film. And he finds out, yes, it's real. And then he finds out who are the people that made it. And he organizes a meeting with them. And uh, she goes sideways. And he finds out, the, he finds out who the, the guy is. Machine. Who killed the little girl? Mm-hmm. And, and he's stalking. He's stalking the the house, and but, but beforehand, he goes. He calls his wife and says, "Hey, go back to where we were on the Fourth of July four years ago. Um, people looking for us. Um, we're in danger." And she says, "I might not be there." He gets there. She's there. He's looking in the mirror and just wiping the blood off his face. So I'm gonna be okay. And he finds out who Machine is and he socks the house. When he confronts him and they have the knockdown drag out in the mm-hmm. cemetery outside the house, and Machine takes his mask off and he said, "Daddy never touched me. Mommy." Didn't never did anything to me wrong the things I do I do because I like them and they make me feel good and Nicolas Cage has the choice to put a dog down and he does and he goes home and and, and he um Solves the mystery of who killed the little girl. But he gets home and he's, and a couple weeks later he's raking up some leaves and he has a letter in the mail and it's from the mom of the little girl. And she says, I hated you for telling me what really happened to my daughter. But in actuality, you and I are the only people that actually cared about Marianne. And it wasn't a resolution. He butchered these people and made them pay for what they did to this girl. 
but in all actuality, what it ended up as was his wife seeing the letter and being okay. Yeah. And, and, and how, how, like, we've talked about some really heavy, like, my point is, we've talked about some really heavy shit. Mm-hmm. How are you okay with the heavy shit? Because the heavy shit is heavy shit, and there's no coming back from it. You have to figure out how to be political, like, like whether or not your grandma died, and some bitches there that always was mean to her, uh, and you gotta, you gotta be political. How do you, Thomas, deal with the shit that gets shoveled at you? Perhaps, man, really, it's just kind of, it's a situation by situation thing. You know, at the end of the day, you gotta figure out what's, you know, what's best for you, and what's best for how you get through that, you know, as far as, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's like if somebody, you know, when somebody passes, it's, you know, how do you cope with it, you know, how do you cope with, you know, what you what do you do with once they're gone and you can't talk to them anymore? Yeah, but how do, how you, do know? you how do you cope with the danger? How do you cope with the things when you're looking in the mirror and you're trying to convince yourself that you're going to be okay? You know, you just got to keep fighting. You got to keep doing what you can. You know, something whether that's you know just living your life and going to work. That way, you're kind of not thinking about it or. If you're figuring out ways to get through a problem when you're freaking, when, you know, the chips are down, you know, sometimes you got to, sometimes it's simple as working through stuff. Sometimes it's as simple as, you know, get up, get out of bed, put your shoes on and freaking just handle your business. Is there any, a lot of times that happens, you know, is there any books that really stick out in your head that got you out of bed? Are there any books that, despite the fact what you would just went through, because you've told me some people have hurt you, but you're still trucking on. What Are there any books in particular that stand out to you that helped you get out of bed? You know, it's definitely, like, there's definitely inspiration and stuff. Like, I, don't, I can't think of, like, a particular story. That definitely like was like oh my you know I need to I need to read this so I can calm down you know it's a lot of you know sometimes you just got to take yourself out of out of reality for a little bit and comics are a great way to do it it's you know fifteen minutes thirty minutes where you can just kind of sit down and it's your it's your quiet space you know I've definitely had to do that and you know past relationships where things got um. Harry, you know, you just kind of create your own time. Is it always relationships? Not necessarily. But, you know, it's definitely like, it's definitely a calming mechanism. It's definitely something that kind of mellows the situation. How have you been so calm in all the situations we've been through? 
like we, we, we not to downplay not to downplay stuff, but a lot of times it's just trying to you know get to the point of it to figure out what was you know why things were done and why they were done by who they were done by. You know, because sometimes people feel legitimately hurt, and sometimes people just really want attention. And negativity is a hell of a way to get attention. And freaking, I don't, you know, being around wrestling for so long, freaking, sometimes people have legit gripes, and sometimes people are just kind of whiny. How and you, you gotta go to tell the difference. You're not answering my question. How are you so calm? But it, it's figuring out what's legit and what's BS. You know, it's that's really what it is. A lot of times, people will throw situations at you that freaking are accusatory, and it's garbage. Like you, you look at it and you 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 see you were there, you saw it. And you know it's complete and utter bullshit. Like, it, it, not to be crass, but it's, it is what it is. You know, freaking people people are going to say shit just to freaking get people on their side. And, of course, the Internet's going to do this, oh, you know, you're so brave or screw that guy or whatever. And it's it's lies. You know, you were there. You saw it with your own two foot two eyes. You know it's garbage. And friggin' you gotta know, you know, you can either, you know, throw down and be like, I'm gonna fight you, or you can be like, I'm gonna hop online and I'm gonna state my case. And sometimes you just need to sit back, calm down, and just be like, ride the situation out because it's not even worth your time. And we, you, know, you, throw it out there, you throw it out there and you freaking. You know, it's just, it's not even worth it. It just makes the situation, you know, you can't fight fire with fire because everybody just burns. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen heard in my life. You can't fight fire with fire because everyone will burn. And we landed on a smile killer. And people can listen to tonight and just make their own choices and... Yeah, I mean, that's you know, that's kind of the interesting part about, you know, a lot of these books is freaking at the end of the day, you can really, a lot of them tend to tend to be open-ended. You know, you got stuff you can, you know, you can definitely read your own interpretation. And that's going back as far as the killing joke. You know, everyone's like, did Batman kill the Joker? Did he finally snap? You know, again, open-ended ending you know, for interpretation. You know, was that really the origin of the Joker? Maybe, maybe not. It's hard to describe to people that are not actively seeking stories. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things that we do is we are actively seeking stories. We're, we're connecting dots, we are rationalizing things, and when I look in a mirror I I don't look away because I am going to be okay 
and you have been through way worse things. And we're talking about <laughs> the smile killer. And we land on this. And you minefielders out there, I hope that... I hope that when you look in the mirror, you don't hate what you see staring back at you. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Um, you will find cool people if you actively seek. And... That's all I got for tonight, man. Like, the, the, the smile killer really was... Um, I gotta say, this wasn't... When we prepared for this, I was prepared this was gonna hurt. <clears throat> this was not a, a light conversation. No, it definitely wasn't. I can honestly say this wasn't where I thought things would go, but I think we're actually ending on a happy note, which is awesome. I agree. You know, freaking it's definitely, it's good, man. It's freaking, like I said, things are going to be okay. Things aren't always going to be perfect, but they're going to be good. Things are going to be great. Just have faith and find the people. And find the people. Because, hell, man, like, I thought you hated me two years ago. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Uh, I just thought you didn't want me on your podcast. <laughs> no, I wanted you on my podcast. I just thought you were, you hated me. And um, find it out, seek it out. Question. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things, man. Freaking, I think, uh, you know, never be afraid to talk about stuff because freaking, you never know what you might find out from somebody else if you do. And next thing you know, you can look in the mirror and be okay with what you see. And, uh, I think that's a good, uh, landing point. Yeah. No, man, this is, uh, this has definitely been dangerous. This has been Minefields by the hat. And we'll see you guys next time. This transmission is over. Over. Hey, don't...